Reality of Truth podcast. Let's go. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Welcome, friends. Today, we're going to talk about something that we all deal with. It doesn't matter who you are. Seriously, you could be rich or poor. Everybody deals with this in one way or another. Today, we're going to talk about something that will affect you in more ways than one. It is known as the silent killer. Yeah, that's what they named it. The silent killer. Is it though? Is it really the silent killer? Or is it something you experience all the time? You know it's there. You try and take care of the situation, but it lingers and it festers and it gets to you in so many ways, especially this time of the year, which is fall for some of us, but maybe it's another time of the year because you're listening to this at a different time of the year. But right now, the way the world is, and the way that everybody starts to get sick in the fall, this is a perfect time to talk about stress. Yes, stress is absolutely known as the hidden killer because you don't even know it's happening. Sometimes you know, sometimes you don't, but most of the time, it's just underlying. It's just underneath. It's that low noise you never hear. It's that feeling that you never feel. It's that sense of something's wrong, but I don't know what it is in my body, in my brain, in my spirit. So let's get into this. Starts with your autonomic nervous system. Lord to goodness, not again. I know you've heard me talk about this so many times, but this is where it comes down to autonomic nervous system controls you. It is you. And here's how it works. And I can't stress it enough. Everything affects you. I talk a lot about EMF, vibrations, light, energy. Well, this is why. Because we're an antenna for energy. Good, bad, and neutral. Why? Because we are electrical beings. That's who we are. We are electrical. So if we're electrical and we're basically an antenna for all the EMF, vibrations, light, and energy, you can see how these could affect you. Well, how do they affect us? Well, mostly through our autonomic nervous system. You have the sympathetic and the parasympathetic, which we talked about before. Real fast primer. Sympathetic. Fight or flight. It's what wakes you up. It's constantly active. It's very energetic. It is your get out of bed. It is your run a mile when you need to. It is your get out of danger, your active state. The opposite is your parasympathetic, which is the opposite of all of those. It's your rest and digest is what they call it. Because basically... It's designed to slow you down, bring you back down to normal, back down to your homeostasis, which is pretty cool if you think about it. You have two sides of you. So when you think, why do I do these things and then regret them later? Or I do these things and then why did I do those things? That's because you have a sympathetic and a parasympathetic side to you. You are two people in one, actually, 
Believe it or not, one's telling you one thing, one's telling you another. The cool thing is they work in balance all the time just for you to keep you in the homeostasis. That homeostasis is the key to everything. It's what your body wants. How do you get to homeostasis? Well, we're going to talk about that. What is the main thing that the sympathetic nervous system does under stress? It produces adrenaline. Oh, yeah. That, you know, for those of you who know, adrenaline is awesome. And then it's also not so awesome when you get that adrenaline like, uh-oh, I'm 11 years old, I'm in school, and the bully said, outside, we're going to fight. And you got that adrenaline run in and your stomach hurts and everything else. Yeah, that's the negative side of adrenaline. But adrenaline can be good in small amounts. We need that. You got to get out of bed. You have to do things in your life. The opposite is parasympathetic. Now, the parasympathetic produces what's called glucocorticoids. You've heard of different types of corticoids in your life, but we'll stick to just this one, which is cortisol. I know you've probably heard of cortisol, and if you haven't, no problem. Here's what it is. You need it in small amounts, okay? It's good, but you don't want large amounts of it or continuous amounts of it. It's controlled by your pituitary, and it's sent to war by the hypothalamus. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember when I said it is the controller of all the glands. Hypothalamus is super important. It's more important than people realize. Cortisol is a hundred times more active than any other corticosteroid. Now, the other one that your adrenals put out, because your adrenals put out cortisol, but they also put out what's called aldosterone. Now, aldosterone is a mineral corticoid. Now, think of that. It's a mineral base. And then you have glucocorticoid, which is cortisol. That's glucobased. So aldosterone regulates minerals, especially salt and potassium. By not regulating salt and potassium because you have too much cortisol or aldosterone, you get imbalances. And this is why it's a problem. We'll get into that in an episode in the future of the salt and potassium because it is super important. I've touched on it before, but I think it's important to do maybe another episode in the future based on salt and potassium because those two do much more than you even know. I mean, what happens when you go into the hospital? What's the first thing they put you on? Oh yeah, saline. They immediately do a saline drip. And then if that's not working, they put you on a potassium drip. I digress. I have to put out a disclaimer right now. Everything I'm talking about is assuming you don't have any pituitary gland issues, like Addison's or some of these things. Okay? All right, let's get into this. So many of you may not believe me. Some of you might believe me. But here's the, I'm going to tell you a story. I told you several episodes ago that I'm going to get into stories and testimonies that'll blow your mind. Well, here's one of them. There was once a Chinese man. This one's hard to believe. I understand. I've read the literature. I've seen the literature. 
it was very long ago, there were only nine books written about this man. I got to see one of them through my mentor. There was a Chinese monk who lived to be 353 years old. You're not going to find this online, by the way. 353 years old. How is that possible? Well, the Chinese government gave him a birthday party after 150 every 50 years. During many of those times, they asked him, what do you contribute your longevity? Why are you living so long? He said three things. First thing is, I never let anything negative affect me. Second thing, I use ginseng and fo tea. That's spelled F-O-T-I. And I consume a diet that's appropriate for myself. Now, here's the thing about that. He said that he doesn't let any negative emotion into his brain, into his thoughts. He went through many marriages, many deaths of his family members, his children, his wives, but he never let it affect him. Now that's a strong man. You might think, well, is he strong or is he just deflecting? Well, a Chinese Taoist monk doesn't see things the way you and I do. So the point is, if someone can take away negative emotions, look what it can do for you. This is the point of the story, which, by the way, I will tell more about this man in the future. If you care to know, let me know in the comment section because he's fascinating. Now, men are more likely to have symptoms of stress than women. Men are, for some reason, women just don't quite have the same response to stress. Maybe it's because apparently they use both sides of their brain. <laughs> Does that mean that men only use really one side? Hmm, that's interesting. Is there really research showing that? We might have to check that out in the future. Point is, men have statistically more issues with stress-related problems than women. Maybe there's a thing there with estrogen. Maybe it's just the way women are built. Maybe it's they do use both sides of their brain. Who knows? Maybe it's because they're nurturing, hopefully. By the way, if you're not sure where these hormones are coming from, well, they come from glands that sit on top of the kidneys. And what makes it really cool is it's kind of like a hat. And these glands called adrenal glands that sit on top of the kidneys, they're in direct contact with the bloodstream through the kidney network. So they're instantaneous drips right into your bloodstream. Have you ever had an intravenous pain relief, meaning something like Tylenol directly into your vein? It's nearly instantaneous. It's amazing. Well, guess what? How do you get affected by hormones so fast, so quickly, that they're almost instantaneous? That's because these hormones are going directly into the blood system through the kidneys. Now, just so you know, adrenaline is the opposite of cortisol. Kind of like the sympathetic nervous system is opposite of the parasympathetic. I'm going to hammer this home one more time. So sympathetic is the fight or flight. Parasympathetic is your 
rest and digest. One is energy, one is relax. The whole point of this episode is that concept. This is why it's really cool. Once you realize there's two parts of you running all the time, you'll understand why stress is killing you, why it's destroying your health or causing all kinds of health issues. This is it right here. The secret is you have two parts of you, sympathetic and parasympathetic. Which one are you running? People around the world that are highly stressed out in first world countries have tons of issues, so many health complaints, yet areas in the world that have so many ways to relax and they have very little health issues. We'll get into that. So what is it about stress? Why does it actually hurt you? All right, I'm going to tell you. You see, you're in a constant state of, well, let's just put it this way. You're revving your engine, if that makes sense to you. You're in a constant heightened state internally in your sympathetic nervous system, like revving your engine just enough that it would hurt it in the long run. So let's put it this way. You're either in a high state or you're just above baseline. You know how in your car, some of the cars that you might have owned in your life, you see an RPM gauge. That RPM gauge says zero to whatever, probably eight for most people, seven, eight. When you're sitting at the light, it's sitting at below one. But when you hit the accelerator, that sucker, that needle goes up rapidly, right? Because you're taken off and you are going. Well, that's adrenaline. That's like the fuel for your car, okay? You start off on the light, bang, that's adrenaline. Cortisol is the one that holds you back from going too fast. But if cortisol is high all the time, it has consequences. So if you're sitting at a light, if it's sitting at two instead of under one where it's supposed to be, that's not good for your engine which is you. The engine in this, in this example is you, all right? What you want at the light is under one. You want it to raise up during your situation. That's waking out of bed or whatever you're doing. And then when you come back down, it needs to be under one. That's the whole point of this. The unfortunate thing is cortisol will keep you at like, two instead of under one, or maybe even three, depending on what's going on in your life. Something super bad, tons of stress. You are so overwhelmed. This is why it's been called the hidden killer, because you don't necessarily feel the difference between under one up to two. It is unseen because it is you. What I mean by you is you're so used to your environment and everything around you and what you feel, and especially in your circumstances that are stressful, that you don't know that you're over-revving at baseline. And so over time, it starts to kill you. That's why it's hidden. If you were a race car, 
that was designed for high revs, you would be fine. Guess what? You're not. None of us are. We are meant to be in a homeostasis. That homeostasis is the key to life. In the future, we will talk more about the homeostasis because it's super important. When we say health as a whole, every time we hear a podcast, read an article, your doctor, your friend, everybody and everything you've ever heard of of health, what they're talking about is a homeostasis. That means it's neither negative or positive. It's right in the center. That center actually should make you live, according to recent research, should equate to 120 years. Because you can't be in 100% positive all the time and live 120. You'll burn yourself out. You can't be sitting at almost nothing and expect to get to 120 by doing almost nothing. Hence, the whole couch potato thing. You are not going to make it. You're going to have so many issues. By the way, how cool is it that you feel the sympathetic side, but not the parasympathetic side? When the sympathetic side is happening, you experience all of it in whatever situation that is from, I'm going to get beat up because I'm 11 years old and I'm watching the clock and he said, I'm going to beat you up at 3.03 when we get out of school and it's only 11 a.m. Or, you know, you have a meeting with the boss that is just going to crush you, but then when you come down with the parasympathetic because you came out of that meeting and you're like, ah, I didn't get crushed. He actually told me, I need more from you, but I'm not upset. And then the bully didn't beat you up. He kind of just said a bunch of words. You stood up to him and then he walked away. That's how you should approach things in your life as an adult. Stand up to them. That's your sympathetic. When you stand up to them and you take control, the stress comes down and the parasympathetic kicks in and you have that sense of, ah, you can do it. You can overcome your stress. It doesn't matter what the stress is. I don't care what it is. You have it in you to overcome it. There's ways to do it. I'm going to teach you those here. Some of them anyway. There's a billion ways to do it. But generally, you can win on everything. It's our brain. It's our mood. It's our emotions that let us down. You have to know you're going to win. When you know you're going to win and you have the tools and the necessary skills, then that stress is not an issue. That was my diatribe on, you got it. You're going to win. Let's go. Because I used to be a coach a long time ago for volleyball when I was young, and it's never going to leave me. Let's go into all the symptoms and the issues of stress. These might be you. You might feel some of these. Usually when you're really stressed, you have many of these, not just one. We all deal with one of these. I'm going to hammer these really fast. Not going to spend any time on them at all. And then at the end, I'm going to pull some of them out that are important and then hit some others not in this list that are important. Ready? All right. Here we go. Irritability. Anger. Impatient or wound up. 
overburdened or overwhelmed, anxious, nervous, or afraid, like your thoughts are racing and you can't switch it off, unable to enjoy yourself, depressed, uninterested in life, like you've lost your sense of humor, a sense of dread, you're worried or tense, you feel neglected or lonely, existing mental health problems are getting worse, difficulty breathing, panic attacks. Oh, if you've ever had one, I've had them. They're horrible. Blurred eyesight and sore eyes, sleep problems, fatigue, muscle aches and headaches, chest pains and high blood pressure, indigestion, heartburn, constipation, diarrhea, irritable bowel, ulcers, of course, we all know that one, feeling sick, dizzy, fainting, sudden weight gain, weight loss, developing rashes or itchy skin, sweating, changes to your period or your menstrual cycle. Your existing physical health problems are getting worse. You find it hard to make decisions. It's almost impossible to concentrate. You can't remember anything or make any memories. Constantly worried or having feelings of dread. You snap at people. You bite your nails. You're uh, maybe picking at or itching your skin. You grind your teeth or clench your jaw. I do that one. That's mine. I fully admit. Experience uh, sexual problems, such as losing interest in sex or being unable to enjoy sex. You eat too much or too little, believe it or not. You smoke because that's your way out. Use, well, recreational drugs or way too much alcohol. Restless, like you can't sit still. Cry a lot or you actually feel tearful. So you're not crying all the time, but you're just on the brink. That, that right there, I will say you need help. That's you battling the cry. That's fantastic because it's showing fortitude against whatever the situation is. You spend way too much money or you shop too much. You're not exercising as much as you usually would, or you exercise way too much, or you withdraw from people around you. That's just some of the situations that you could go through. Just some of the things that we experience with stress. That's not even all of, that is only a portion. Stress literally affects every single area of your life. There isn't one area that stress won't make it worse. What's really cool is if you know how to make stress work for you. That is the key. The most powerful people on the planet, they use stress to their advantage. They turn that thought around, that feeling around, and make it work for them. The main reason for all your stress is this corticoid called cortisol. Now, I said earlier that I would go into some of the more specific things that are more important regarding your stress. And I would expand a little bit upon those. So let's talk about cortisol a little bit more, how it relates to all of those that I just said. <laughs> okay. All right. So cortisol affects all the cells of your body. Every single one of them will respond to cortisol, all of them. So it's not just like 
well, it just affects my joints for arthritis or it just affects my brain for depression. Nope. It's everything. Energy, muscle, bone, ligament, tendon, every bit of it. And one of the weirdest things that it does is it changes the volume of your blood. Well, how? Well, cortisol affects the way your cells use salt and potassium. Therefore, it's changing the volume of your blood. Once that volume is changed, well, that's going to affect your cardiovascular system through blood pressure, the ability to clot, flow of the blood, which we've talked about before, the water in your blood, because salt and potassium regulate water. So now it expands your vascular system and it makes it more difficult to move your blood. It also converts fat and protein into fuel if your sugar is low. That's called gluconeogenesis. All right, I didn't want to have to use big words, and I just did. So sorry. The whole point of this podcast is to make it easy to understand, and I just used a big word. Gluconeogenesis just means glucose is created from protein and fat when your sugar is low. It also protects you from consuming yourself. That means that it stops you from catabolizing yourself, which is pretty cool if you think about it. So here's a stress hormone that also stops you from catabolizing yourself. But this is a huge but. Wow, that's a pretty big but. We're going to get into the negatives. First negative is cortisol increases your desire for carbs and sugar. Oh, if you know anything about this podcast, you'll know I'm against carbs and sugar. Guess what? Stress makes you desire more carbs and sugar. Think about it. So what do I think are main components of lowering disease in your body? Well, this is one of them. Lower your stress. Get that stuff out of your life. It also suppresses your immune system. Why does that happen? You see, it affects your parasympathetic nervous system. It shuts it down. When it shuts that parasympathetic nervous system down, you're more susceptible to feeling stressed out or bogged down. It's a depressant. Instead of stimulating the nervous system, it actually slows it down. Not good. Not good at all. It also affects your brain in so many different ways, like depression, mood changes, cravings, poor cognitive function, feelings of inadequacy, which is a big one. That can lead to the S word. I don't ever want to say that word on this podcast. So I think you know what the S word is. If you're feeling inadequate, and you need to remedy the situation, you know that word. Why does that happen? Because the nervous system is the brain, and cortisol shuts down the nervous system, which shuts down the brain. And if you can't think straight, you do really bad things. You think poorly. You have all of these brain issues. And then if that's not bad enough, it causes bone loss. Because the 
autonomic nervous system sends energy to the muscles and the brain during stress, and it neglects the skeletal structure. So then you end up with poor bones, poor ligaments, poor tendons, all the tissues that work in conjunction with joints, like discs, everything starts shutting down. The basics of your body, your skeletal structure is like the walls in your house. When those go, the whole house goes. And then you end up with arthritis and all of those issues that just destroy you daily. And then you end up with all the brain issues because you feel so terrible. I hate to keep going negative here, but we got to hit it. It affects women's ability to conceive. So if you're wondering why you can't get pregnant, you might be stressed out because you're wondering why you can't get pregnant. Stop being stressed out. Relax. Don't think about it so much. Maybe try and get pregnant on vacation because <laughs> that happens all the time. <laughs> Ask everyone that that's ever happened to. And with men, it lowers the sperm motility and the sperm count. That's a fact. They can see it actually happen. And then for men, I'm sorry, but erectile dysfunction... is a major side effect of stress. Moving on, causes weight gain. And how does that happen? Well, one of the ways, we've discussed others, but one of the ways is that it makes fat cells actually larger. You see, fat cells don't want to get bigger. They want to stay small. But if you force them to get larger, they will. And in this case, cortisol says, hey, I need you to get larger because I have all this sugar because I'm a glucocorticoid and I want to put all of this sugar into you, but you're not big enough. So you need to grow and then it grows and then you gain weight. By the way, mostly abdominal fat. One of the things that common stress does is it damages and shrinks and destroys your brain cells. So if you want to retain your memories, your intelligence, your thought processes, you need to lower stress any way you can. It's amazing that people that meditate and do things that increase brain activity remember more. Why is that? Well, because of this. They lower stress. When you lower stress, you stop the destruction of your brain cells. And then because you're using your brain, your full brain, you actually increase brain cell quality, therefore remembering more, and you don't get all the aging symptoms of brain destruction. One of the weird things cortisol creates is, um, is chronic inflammation. How does that happen? Oh, that happens by making cytokines. And if you've listened to the news or independent news for the last three and a half years, you'll know what cytokines are. That's not good. Cytokines are basically like little robots sent out to destroy everything in your body. You don't want those. They don't listen to anybody but the hive mind. That hive mind controls everything. You don't want cytokines. 
also allows molecules to pass the blood-brain barrier that they shouldn't. Okay, so there's a lot of molecules you're not supposed to let pass the blood-brain barrier. And the problem with cortisol is it allows that barrier to open up. So you get all kinds of molecules that are not supposed to go through there. That is really bad. That barrier is there for a reason. That's why we have a left and right brain, so that you can not be influenced in one way or another. So that if you have one side of the brain that affects your parasympathetic and the other that affects your sympathetic, they don't get crossed because of molecules. Or your creative thought process doesn't get inhibited because something passed through and got rid of your intellect. That's not good. Blood-brain barrier breakers, things like glyphosate and other chemicals, are really, really bad for your brain. The health of your brain, one of the major ways to keep your brain healthy is to keep that barrier solid. It's a wall. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. But I have to say it, stress is linked to so many things, but there's six things that are so powerful in society and that we deal with every single day. We know of people that have dealt with them that are affected by stress. Those are death from heart disease, cancer, lung ailments, accidents of all kinds, liver cirrhosis, and the S word. Those are the six leading causes of death, and stress is involved with all of those. That was a moment of silence. Let's hit some other details, shall we? This one blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. Did you know there is such a thing called acoustic stress? Now, I will say I've dealt with this. Because if you heard me last episode, or the one before that, I am blessed with the ability to hear frequencies and sounds that most people can't hear, and it absolutely is torture. Well, it's called, I finally figured out what it's called. It's called acoustic stress. It's chronic low-level noise or low frequencies below the threshold of most people's hearing. And what happens is they actually provoke stress hormones that can interfere with things like learning or they can also elevate blood pressure or affect your immune system. And what the weirdest thing is they increase things like aggression. The aggression is the overstimulation of the autonomic nervous system, the sympathetic side. Yet I'm not doing it. It's not like I'm listening to heavy metal music and getting overstimulated, which I don't listen to. This is underlying I can kind of barely hear it or know it's there, and it's affecting me. It might be affecting you if you say, I don't understand what's going on. I feel constantly stressed out. I have a completely stress-free life. You might need to measure chronic low-level noise, low-frequency noise. The opposite of that 
is what's called acoustic stress. So there's people that are affected by loud noises. That can trigger episodes of what's called long QT syndrome, LQTS. It's basically a disorder of the heart's electrical system, and it causes 3 million deaths per year. All right, let's backtrack a second. So there's this person that is just hanging out in some way or another, and a loud noise occurs, which then short circuits their heart's electrical system and they die. What in the world? Stress in so many different levels can hurt you from chronic long-term to instantaneous acoustic stress, a loud noise. So when your family member is watching fireworks and all of a sudden has a heart attack, that might be why. I'm sorry if that's ever happened to you. Moving on. Here's something super fascinating is that when your cells are exposed to stress hormones, they actually can disconnect from each other. So they disassociate. I still hate you, but you got a pretty awesome collection of nudie mags. So think about whatever tissue it is in your body is held together, but then you're stressed out and they start separating. Do they communicate much? How do they communicate? Well, that's the EMF field. That's vibration. That's energy. That's frequency. Now they can't communicate with each other. What does that cause? Cell death, organ death, gland death, or discomfort or dis-ease. That's not a good thing. So stress has this inherent thing where it's allowing cells to shrink and disconnect from each other. What? in the world. That's fascinating. That right there should scare you enough to be like, all right, no stress anymore in my life because I don't want my cells to shrink and disconnect from each other. That would be like your phone shrinks to something you can't use and then no one can ever talk to anybody with a cell phone ever again. I hope we're all adults because I'm going to get into something that's a little more sensitive. We're going to have a future episode on this, but let's just throw this one out there so that you know, because this affects more people than anyone realizes, but stress creates all kinds of hormonal changes in the body. I mean, tons, but specifically the ones that you know of, those are the ones that decrease libido. You're not interested in sex. You mean coitus? Oh, yeah and your sexual responses. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. All right. So here's the thing. This is where you need to be an adult. <laughs> you may wonder, how can wood get so hard? <laughs> so penetrative sex, as opposed to other types of sex like masturbation. You see, penetrative sex actually decreases stress hormones. But people who have no sex penetratively, had the highest blood pressure. That's actually based on studies with stress and sex. So why? What? Why? Well, I'll tell you why. We spoke about it episodes and episodes ago. 
you must be able to incorporate vibrational fields together in order to achieve cellular association. Do you remember when I talked about that? Once your body and another person's body associates, the EMF fields become extremely powerful. They become one, and therefore, they affect you. They help you. They lower stress through so many different biological pathways, electrical pathways, but that doesn't happen when it's just you by yourself. Maybe that's why so many religions say by yourself is not right. They may not even know that this is why it's better to be with another person. Regardless, science proves it. Which leads me to why do Eastern and so many other cultures in the world do so much for relaxation? Why do they have so many ways for meditation and baths, you know, all the different mineral baths and places that they bathe socially, I might add, and walking and social gathering like Italy and France and some of these places where they spend hours socializing after work or during work hours when they have a huge long lunch break or people read or any number of ways to slow down. It's amazing that so many cultures have all these ways to relax, to come down. Do they know what they're doing? I mean, is it like just cultural or was it always about finding that homeostasis of parasympathetic, let's lower my stress so that I feel good, I feel better? Well, maybe. All right, enough with the information. I know this is why you're all been waiting for is, how do I lower my stress, Eric? I don't give a crap about all the other details and all the stuff about stress and why it happens to me. I just want to know how to get rid of it. I know you've all been waiting for this part. This is where I tell you how to get rid of your stress. I know the information can be a little bit overwhelming, but I hope it's interesting. I hope you learn to know why it's there. Because once you know why it's there, now when you know how to get rid of it, you're much more powerful. You're more effective. That's what I want for you. So how do you lower stress? I'm going to give you a bunch of ways, but there are countless ways. This is a very short list, albeit it's a good list. I think it's thorough. It's impossible to know what works for you but I'm going to attempt to give you some ways that might work. You might need to work these out a little bit to make them effective for you. So let's get started. I think, and I know, the number one way to lower stress, absolutely without a doubt, there is nothing better than laughter. Oh yeah, laughing actually lowers your stress more than anything. Why? Because there's hormones released in your brain and the hormones that are released in your brain and your brain then tells your body to release hormones through all the glands. 
that increase your immune system. It's amazing. Laughing is the heightened state. It's the highest state physically you can feel. Your body will respond to that. There's been many reports of people who have cured themselves of all kinds of diseases by locking themselves in their house or a hotel room or something like this. And they will watch and read uh, humorous things and just laugh as much as they can for days, weeks, months on end and cured themselves because your body releases these hormones that fix things. Can't wait to do the hormone episode. It's going to be so much fun for you guys. We're going to talk about so many super cool things with hormones. One of the other ways is breathing. Now, I know you've heard of this because everybody has. Breathing is an instantaneous way to lower your stress. I mean, it happens right away. Now, sometimes, depending on the stress, it might take a few minutes up to half hour, an hour. I've dealt with those things myself. But breathing does two things. It works on your pulmonary system, and it works on your autonomic nervous system, specifically the parasympathetic, okay? That's why it's so effective. It's not just one mechanism in your body. It's two, and that becomes really powerful. You've doubled your effectiveness. There are so many ways that you can do breathing techniques. I mean, if you just look up breathing techniques online, you're going to have tons and tons of different types. The one that is most probably prevalent right now, and I use myself, and that is the one to two ratio method. Essentially, you breathe in through your nose at a count of whatever number you want, let's say four, and then you exhale either through your nose or your mouth, preferably your nose. If you breathe in through your nose, double the time. So four in, eight out. That's worked for me in so many aspects. I'm telling you, it's fantastic. I can't explain it. I can come up with some reasoning, but for some reason, it just works. I love that method, and I would tell you, try it if you've never done it. You can use that method in any time of your life, sitting at a computer, watching a movie, driving, it doesn't matter what the circumstance is. You can use that at any time. Probably the best time to use that is when you do things like meditation and prayer, which is such a great way to lower stress. Everybody knows meditation and prayer will lower stress in any way that works for you. There are countless techniques for meditation. And prayer, well, that's up to you. I think the most overlooked place for stress reduction is your sleep. We've talked about sleep in the past as one of the foundational episodes. I even talked about sleep recently. Told you that I was going with blue linen sheets. Well, flax linen sheets will reduce your stress. It's literally scientifically proven. Not to mention, it goes back into antiquity. I'm sorry, if somebody wants to say, ah, oh, that's stupid, well, not so much, because if you believe in evolution, it goes back 30,000 years. If you believe in creation, it goes back 3,000 years. 
The other thing you can do for sleep is create complete darkness. That will put you in a state of nothingness. Simple. Just get an eye mask and turn off the, <laughs> the lights in your room. Get rid of all the stuff in your room, especially your phone. And then do you need sound or not? If you're a complete silence sleeper, awesome. If you're like me and others, you need sound. The only thing that's going on in your room is literally sound. It's one thing. Everything else is gone. There's no light. Heat is very low, so you're in a cool room. The sheets that touch you are biocompatible. This is scientifically proven and absolutely works. And by the way, they're the most comfortable sheets you can sleep in. So there's that. Here's a quick list of other things you can do. Candles, as much as possible. Yep, I'm a candle guy. I'm a man. I'm sensitive. I need to feel loved. I need to be desired. I'm willing to admit it. I don't wear pink, but I'm a candle guy. Use candles as much as possible. They should be natural candles. Don't buy that garbage petroleum crap. You have to buy soy, beeswax, coconut oil, blends of those. Don't get into the other stuff. The flickering of the candle and the color will lower stress, especially if you dim lights. Essential oils are absolutely fantastic for stress. All the different oils. Look up essential oils with stress and use them in your life, in your skin, and in the air, anywhere you can use them. Music should be more on the soothing side. You don't want to listen to, let's say, heavy metal <laughs> when you're stressed out. I know that's your favorite, but that actually won't do anything for your brain for your heart and your spirit. You need to use soothing music. Even if you don't like soothing music, it will affect you if you just calm down. You don't even have to listen to it. The vibrations and the frequencies will affect you. They will work on your brain in the areas that will calm you down and help you deal with life's situations. One of the best ways that you can Lower stress is by reminiscing. Just thoughts of your past that were wonderful. And I'm going to throw this one out to you. How about reminiscing of the future? What you hope for? Thinking about having babies or vacationing or retiring or on your boat or getting into the woods. Anything that's in the future that you know is wonderful and beautiful and calms you down. Some people read. Reading is amazing. But the thing about reading is you use your imagination. That's your brain. So you have to be careful what you read. It either has to be something that calms you, could be informational based, but not horror or things like that that might create negativity. There needs to be positive reading. And then you might have hobbies because hobbies are phenomenal for stress reduction, like sewing. I, I am astounded with people who can sew and sew really, really well. 
That is craftsmanship. Fantastic. If that doesn't calm you down, I don't know what will. Painting, maybe coloring, if you're into crafts or maybe something more like singing. Do you play musical instruments? Have you ever learned that? Maybe go back to musical instruments if you've never done that in 20 years. That might be something that would actually be pretty cool because back then you didn't like it, but maybe now you would. If you do things like maybe working on cars or wood or, you know, materials, um, I don't know, just working with your hands, getting involved. Photography, which is my hobby, absolutely amazing. I, when I'm out doing photography, I don't think of anything else and I am in the least stressful state. It is total bliss for me. I also like to cook. Cooking is an absolutely awesome way to lower stress. Unless you're cooking for a whole bunch of people for Thanksgiving and it turns into a mess. I'm talking about cooking things that are fun and low stress, like barbecue or slow cooking. If you like to make treats for people, like cookies and things like that, fantastic. I don't agree with the sugar, as you know, but I get it. And if cooking is a way to lower stress, and I've known people who do this. My godmother did this. But cooking is extremely cathartic. The other one that is amazing to lower stress is to volunteer. Why? Why does volunteering make you feel better? Because when you think of others, you don't dwell on your situation. Your situation becomes not that important. Typically because usually when you volunteer, other people's situations are worse than yours. But even still, if they're not you're taking the focus off yourself and putting it onto other people. And there's nothing better you can do than to give your life for another person. Some people enjoy sports. I would say sports are absolutely awesome for stress relief. But I would put this caveat out there. I don't think that sports that are extremely violent would lower your stress. I mean, I mean, think about it. Do I need to explain myself? And then, you know, here's one for you. Some people have all kinds of hobbies and interests and things like that. Why not start a podcast? Really? I'm not even kidding. Whatever topic you like, you know, maybe it's something that stresses you out. Start a podcast on that so that you can help other people who are stressed out about that. Or get into your hobbies and do a podcast with that. This is seriously cathartic for me to help you guys. I'm telling you, it's legit. It has many benefits. I'm not necessarily stressed out about bringing the next episode to you as much as I am excited about which topic it is. And then I get the privilege to bring this information to you. It's so much fun. You know, when you bottle up something inside of you that you know about, and you want to share with other people, and you think, eh, people don't want to hear that. Well, generally speaking, the people around you don't really want to hear that. But the entire world collectively, there's lots of people that want to hear about that. Today, 
I listened to a, a podcast about a subject that is so, I don't know how to describe it. It's so unimportant to 99% of the people in the world. And yet I was fascinated. And I watched another episode after that by the same person regarding the same topic because I was so fascinated. I thought, this is so cool. I didn't know this. And I'm so much more enlightened about that subject, which I find super interesting. So there are people out there, even if there's only 1,000 people in the world that want to listen to your podcast, why not? That's 1,000 people. Just do it. It'll help you lower your stress because you get to talk about things that interest you. And then when they're interested by listening to you, you have this sense of, wow, people care about what I have to say. And then the other flip side of that is I got to help people learn about this subject, whatever that subject is. I think everybody should have a podcast, honestly. All right, I digress. But I think you feel my point on that. You see, it isn't about just not thinking about your situation. It's about your mind being stimulated with something cathartic, nourishing, creative, um, giving, using the areas of your brain that stimulate the stress-reducing chemicals, all the good chemicals that we want, actually. I mean, why not? Your brain can be rewired. Don't settle for the negative state. You can be stress-free. Your brain can be rewired. Don't settle for the negative state. You can be stress-free. I'm telling you, you can do it. All right. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you guys so much. I can't even, I can't even tell you. Please send this to other people if you know anybody that could use this information or this podcast as a whole. Otherwise, take care of yourself. If you want to contact me, my info is in the description box. Feel free to ask a question or suggest a topic, maybe some feedback, whatever. I look at every email and every comment, but please be constructive. I will not tolerate spam or rudeness or lewd comments. This is a place for healing and knowledge, not a negative space. If you want to read the transcript, it will be located on my website for each episode. It is therealityofhealth.com.